I love hearing stories of how God is working in people's lives. We always find them to be encouraging. I do. I always find that there is something that we can learn from them, which is one of the reasons that throughout the fall we have been sprinkling in some My Testimony Weeks in the middle of our Future You sermon series where we are hearing a story of somebody from our congregation and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to share some additional thoughts and principles from God's Word on that particular topic. And we're going to be doing that today. Today is actually our third of four My Testimony installments that we are having this fall. You, I'm sure, remember the first of those was Jimmy Moore, who helped us to understand what it meant to be better. And uh, we heard from Sam Thompson. She shared with us, and we learned a little something about true worth and where that can be found and how we navigate our way through that. Well, today's the third of those four installments, and uh, then next couple of weeks we're going to get back into our Future You series, and then we're going to come back at the end of November with one more My Testimony. You're definitely not going to want to miss that one, and then we're going to be on to Christmas. So that's kind, of, that's kind of where we're going, but today we have this third installment, and you're definitely going to be glad that you're here for this one as well. We are thinking today about when life takes a turn. That's the theme that we are going to be thinking on. I hope you have your sermon journals there with your My Testimony sticker, and uh, you can jot things down as we make our way along. But I'm going to invite our testimony for today to come and share. His name is Steve Wellendorf. Steve is a good friend. He is one who has been instrumental in the work and the life of Pathway Church and has served in a number of capacities. He's going to uh, share his story with us. Steve, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Hello, everyone. As, as Jeff said, my name is Steve Wellendorf. Um, I've been at Pathway Church for the last 10 years uh, with my wife, Dana. Uh, we serve as greeters, been on the prayer team. We have a lot of joy in our small group, and I've also served as an elder here at the church. Uh, we've enjoyed serving, and we are so thankful that God has called us here to be a part of Pathway Church. Um, as I thought about tonight, and I th reflect back on my life a little bit, I've been just so blessed. Um, raised in a loving home, um, well-prepared, as you would do for your vocational calling. And I feel like um, all the way through schooling and college grad school that God allowed me to um, more or less step into a successful role as a school administrator. Um, I feel like for the longest time I kind of had the world by the tail and uh, things are going really well for me. Um, but as I had to learn, sometimes life does take a turn. I was hired as the Beaver High School principal in the summer of 2014. Um, it, was a, it was a dream setting. That's where Dana and I live. That's our hometown. The school was less than 10 minutes from home. Um, the board president was a Christian and the school board president, just a great guy. Um, we're both still really close friends with both of them even today. And if you would have asked me at that time, I would have told you easily, I, I landed my dream job. You know, for the next couple of years, I was loving my work at Beaver. Um, we were a, a healthy school, just about any metric you would use as far as schools. Um, we had really good test scores, good academics. Our kids could get involved in so many really cool extracurricular activities from sports to arts and fine arts. I mean, it was just a great school. 
Um, I had a, a really solid relationship with our faculty, with our staff, and what I enjoyed the most was those relationships with our students and families. In hindsight, my identity started to become that of high school principal. Um, I was proud to be the principal of the highest performing school in the area, and I was the face of that school, and, and I loved it. I was receiving the highest ratings each year by the state of Pennsylvania, and I imagined that Beaver would be the last school where I worked, um, eventually you know, being able to retire there. I mean, it's great to have plans, right? Um, at that time, in our faith journey, we had been coming to Pathway for about five years. Um, we enjoyed teaching and the Sunday services, the praise and worship. Um, but Dana and I both were sort of like consumers of church. You know, we hadn't really plugged into any of the ministries. Uh, we were serving through Young Life in Beaver County, um, but we were pretty much just attending church. Um, our church family to us was really not existent except for just a few of the people we knew on the way in and out. And that was a big change for us. Um, early in our marriage, uh, a huge part of our life was the time that we invested in, in church and fellowship. We hosted weekly Bible studies at our home. Uh, we had a small group of teenagers that we mentored on a regular basis. I helped run our high school youth group. Um, you know, one of our fun date nights was serving at the city food pantry at the lower end of Ambridge. Um, we were active min in ministry, and that was really a, a way that we were growing together in love and faith. Um, but, you know, as my jobs in various schools got a little bit bigger, as I gained more experience, our nights and our weekends became more fuller. Uh, we shrunk back from so many of the things that we had enjoyed um, early in our marriage. Um, I didn't realize it at the moment but I was serving my own ego every bit as much as I was serving our school and our communities. Uh, little did I know that significant change was waiting just around the corner for us. Um, so at Beaver, the board president uh, resigned and the superintendent retired within a short period of time. And that change in the leadership, leadership landscape created quite a change in a very, very short period of time. Despite our school's long-standing tradition, um, a graduation, I was directed that absolutely there would be no prayer and nothing Christian at all at graduation. And so I changed the program. Um, I replaced the parts of the program, so now it just said opening remarks and closing rem remarks instead of the traditional benediction and invocation. Um, but our students still felt like they wanted to honor God by sharing their pieces in the form of a prayer. To say the least, um, there was a significant fallout from that, um, and this marked the very beginning, this marked the beginning of the end uh, of my time at Beaver. It became very clear that my values ran opposite of the school's new direction. And for the next two years, I worked hard to honor those that I was working with and to cooperate, but the writing was on the wall. Um, I would eventually be placed on administrative leave. The hardest pill for me to initially swallow was that I felt an overwhelming sense of injustice. You know, I had retained legal counsel 
and I found myself fighting for my job. I never imagined working in a school that I would ever be fighting for my job. Uh, and it seems surreal, given how positive everything had been right up until recent times. But unlike most job situations, issues in public schools, they, they play out very publicly, as, as you're all aware. And this is where Dana and I, our, our true struggle began. You know, even when we would just try to sneak away and leave town to get a break from all this stuff, we would see news accounts about me and about our school. Um, so we, tried, we drew back and we tried to isolate ourselves. Um, it just seemed like there were constant, even really well-intended questions from our friends, from our neighbors, from my colleagues. Um, you know, I'll never forget that time, and Dana will never forget that time either where we were so hurt so misunderstood, so isolated, and just feeling like we were lacking justice. At the beginning of this struggle, again, I was naive to think that my job would ever be in jeopardy. Um, I had always strived to work very hard, built meaningful relationships, and I knew that I was called by God to serve in schools. But by the end of October 2018, I had resigned. My attorney told me that we could fight and likely win, but in the process it could take two years and there was no guarantees. So of course, I wanted to fight and prove my innocence, but I also knew that the Lord was telling me to release it to him, to put my reputation and my future in him. I praise God that he quickly drew me to him once I resigned. And incredibly and unexpectedly, I was prompted to pray for and to forgive the single person who caused me the, heart, the most heartache over those last two years. And once I forgave them and I prayed for them, over that winter, I enjoyed the deepest fellowship with God that I can ever remember. <clears throat> I hiked in the woods just about every morning and had beautiful times of fellowship with God. And I knew this season wouldn't last forever. I mean, we had bills to pay, so it couldn't last forever. Um, but while it lasted, uh, I found peace, perspective, and blessings. I, I was given a gift of extra time with my parents, time in the gym. You can't tell right now, but it's true. Um, time to cook meals for Dana, which she really enjoyed, and help Bennett Youth Group. Um, and then time for us to really plug in and start to really enjoy a small group. Uh, but my heart ached to work again. It makes sense. And, and God allowed me, though, to take this time, when life took a turn, to rest in him and truly find peace in the midst of the struggle. You know, through these circumstances, I've learned that we have a daily choice that we can make. We can surrender to God and discover his purposes, or we can just be helpless on our own. When facing trials, we can become victims, or we can claim victory in Christ. We can allow adversity to make us bitter, broken, or better. God rescued us from a time in our lives where we were growing distant from him. He allowed unjust circumstances to perfectly meet his plans and purposes for us and to call us back to him. He has restored all things perfectly 
even though nothing looks the same. God provided fellowship and love, financial peace, a new joyful job, and, and really provided some scars that we can use to minister to others. He also provided a truly loving community here at Pathway and a new job, a loving community at Beaver County Christian School. About that school, you know, tiny little school. I only knew about it because my nephews went there and my sister-in-law taught there. I just knew it was this little tiny school in Beaver Falls. You know, we had gone there a couple of times over the years to see some events. Um, I never would have thought God would have me work at a school like that. Um, but here I was with Dana. We're in a time of restoration, and it just so happened that Beaver County Christian School was looking for a new administrator. Just so happened, right? <laughs> so Dana and I, we, we can't have our own children, and so our nephews, we love those boys, Micah, Tyler, and Ethan, they hold such a special place in our hearts. And so many times I was pulled away from them because I was so busy at my own school, you know, missing even family events and functions. So looking back now, only a loving, merciful, sovereign God and his loving sweetness could work things out that I literally get to see them every single day as their high school principal in the hallways, at lunch, all their, all their events and activities. We get to walk right in step with them. So God provided me, provided Dana with a new, heart, new home at Beaver County Christian School. And I now have the joy and the blessings of working within a community of believers who really do carry each other's burdens and ultimately seek to serve Jesus by the way that we serve other families. So through a difficult and winding path, God has called us back to exactly where he wants us to be. And as we are all instructed through James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever we face trials of many kinds, because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you, in us, so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, Dana and I, we are not looking forward to the next time in life that life takes a turn. But thanks and praise be to God for this time. Thank you. I so much love the perspective that Steve has on where the Lord has brought him. It's not a circumstance, as he shared, that was one that you would ever naturally on your own wish and desire for yourself. He said that that was not the case, but to be able to have the maturity at the end of it to recognize what God has done in the process and how God has worked him for. That's not a natural response that we have. It's been a journey for Steve as he shared, and he's learned through that journey. And the fact of the matter is that all of us are on a journey a journey that is going to have circumstances that transpire that are outside of what our will for ourselves might happen to be. They are things that are going to lead us into unexpected turns in our lives, and we have all had that. And so today, what we are thinking about is this idea of when life takes a turn, how might we learn through those circumstances for ourselves? Life's, life's Turns can come in any of a number of forms. For you, it might be something that would happen in the same sort of arena that it did for Steve. Maybe something in your career has taken a turn, or maybe it's going to in the days that are coming 
up. It can happen in any of a number of areas. It could be in a financial crisis that comes your way. It could be a devastating diagnosis that you are given. It could be a divorce. It could be wayward children. It can be any of a number of things that can cause that turn to happen in our lives from where we thought that we were going, where we wanted to go, where we maybe even prayed that we would be going, that now has turned us in a different direction. Many of us in our lives, we, we wish for, we hope for, we pray for that there would be no unexpected or no unwanted turns that happen in our lives, but it still happens happens. For all of us, it still happens. The question is, how do you deal with those circumstances when you face them? And it seems to me that there are a few different common responses and reactions that people will have when life takes a turn. Let me give you a few of these. One of those is to blame. When things don't go the way that we want, our natural human reaction oftentimes is to put the blame on someone else or something else. Maybe it is something, an event, something that occurred to us, and it's like, if it weren't for that, my life would be where I want it to be. That is the problem. Or maybe it is someone in your case. Maybe it's someone who has caused you or at least looks to you like they're the problem. They're the reason you didn't get that promotion at work. Or maybe they are ones who caused an accident to happen that has changed your life. Or maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a spouse that didn't exactly end up being the person that you thought they were all the way along. Blame is a defense mechanism that we apply to put the responsibility for circumstances in our lives outside of ourselves. It's so that we might not have to deal with the issue that perhaps I have some issues that I need to take a look at, that I need to work on myself. Now you might say, well it was their fault. And yes, I acknowledge that there are certainly times in our lives where there are circumstances that transpire where it is perhaps the responsibility of someone else even more than what your own responsibility is in that circumstance. But even so, blame is still a harmful reaction. Blame is still something that is going to lead us in a negative direction. There's no doubt about that. It may feel good for a moment, but blame will put the responsibility or blame is a response that is ensuring animosity on your part. It is a response that is ensuring alienation. And you may feel animosity toward that other person, but holding on to that, allowing that to continue to persist in your heart, that is going to rot your heart. That's what's going to happen. Nelson Mandela said, having resentment in your soul is like drinking poison and hoping your enemy will die. Doesn't make any sense, does it? But we do that all the time. You don't want to give any situation the control, that sort of control over who you are even for many years to come, and some of us are there. Some of us have allowed resentment to just build up and to be continuing on in our hearts, and that is the thing that is controlling us, and we see everything in life in one way or another through that filter, and it's rotting our hearts from the inside out. Blame is not something that is going to be a helpful response. Another common response when life takes a turn is to run. When challenging circumstances come in our lives, some people choose to run from God, if you, God, you really loved me, this wouldn't have happened. Or why did this circumstance ever take place? What it is really is just another form of blame. Only in this circumstance, you're blaming God. Or you might run from the circumstance by refusing to deal with it. Or face the fact that this is now a reality that you're going to have to work your way through. We just want to ignore it. We perhaps want to dig our head in the sand. In fact, I know of a guy who was diagnosed with a heart condition, but he didn't want to believe that it was true. He didn't want it to control his life, so he ran from it. He pretended as though he didn't even have the diagnosis. He didn't tell anybody in his life 
of the heart condition that he had, that he was dealing with. Nobody knew, and so as you might very well imagine, it wasn't too long. He didn't get any treatment. It wasn't too long till he had a heart attack and he died. And it was through his death that ultimately it came out that this is what he had been diagnosed with. And nobody knew what was going on. So nobody could help. Nobody could step in. Nobody could do anything that perhaps would have extended his life because he was running from the diagnosis that he'd been given. Obviously, denying reality isn't going to work out very well. We're essentially cutting ourselves off from learning and growing through the circ- from the circumstance, which can lead us to one other response that can happen when life takes a turn, and this one is more positive. This one is to grow when that happens. To grow, the truth is that life turns, life's turns can actually be catalysts for growth. But if that's going to happen, if we're going to find ourselves growing instead of blaming or instead of running, there's some principles we need to know and we need to learn and we need to understand and we need to apply into our lives. A few of them that I wanted to give to you here quickly. The first of those is this, to process with God's character in mind. To process with God's character in mind. The book of Acts in the New Testament is a wonderful account of the start of the church and and the spread of the gospel. And what you have at the beginning of the book of Acts is you have Jesus promising the, the descending of his Holy Spirit to come and live and dwell in those who are believers in Jesus. And then the church springs up and we see thousands who come to faith in a short period of time. After that, the disciples, they go out and they minister in God's name, even doing healing in places where they go. And everything's getting off to a great start. Of course, the established religious leaders aren't very happy with what is going on, with what they see all around them, so they start to bring opposition. And the next thing that we learn is that persecution is, is rising up, and they're arresting some key leaders within the church, one of them by a guy by the name of Stephen. And pretty soon, before you know it, they have killed Stephen. And this caused a, a persecution to rise up against all of the church. And as a result, the church is scattered, and they're having to go here and there. They're having to leave their homes and their cities, and they're having to scatter to other places in other regions just to spare their lives. You could definitely say that their lives were taking a turn. In Acts chapter 8, we read this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Obviously, things took a very challenging turn for the church at that time. And it's interesting to me that Luke, our author here, doesn't just record that, okay, Stephen died, we buried Stephen, and and this is what happened next. What he says, he takes the time, he pauses to say that, yes, we buried Stephen, and we mourned deeply. We mourned his death deeply. What were they doing? They're processing the circumstance that was unfolding there before them in their lives. Sometimes it feels like when there's hardship of this nature that that people just want you to get past your pain, right? They want things to just kind of get back to normal. And so can we just kind of move this along? But the fact of the matter is that, that normal is now different. It's not the same normal. And we need to have that time. We need to take that time intentionally to process it so that we might be able to find the peace that we need for navigating our way 
forward. Repeatedly in the scriptures, we find people processing what they're going through. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's raw. It's always honest. Psalm 34 says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. Psalm 6, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Steve had months of crying out to the Lord. How long, Lord, is it going to be that we're going to face these trials, these circumstances, these these challenges? This has also come home very poignantly to me just this week. As I just learned this week, Wednesday, that the missionary couple that we work with in Kenya and some of us have grown very close to, they were actually killed this week in a car accident along with another young woman who was there doing a work together with them. This is something that is now has a lot of us processing what has happened. It has me processing, Lord, what's going on? Why, Lord? Why this couple that is on the front line serving you so faithfully? There are things we have to process because we don't necessarily understand for ourselves right in the midst of the circumstance, but there's a key to doing that processing, and it's to do it with God's character in mind, to process with God's character in mind. Regardless of what transpires in life, God's nature never changes, never Psalm 136 has 26 verses. Throughout those 26 verses, it gives you a characteristic of who God is. It tells you something about his nature, something about his character in one line. And the next line, all the way through, all 26 verses, is his love endures forever. This is true about God. His love endures forever. This is what God has done. His love endures forever. Or the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That means that if God was faithful and gracious and good one time in your life, God is still faithful and gracious and good right now. You might not completely understand how that is true. You might not completely see how that is unfolding. But it is true. And you can hold on to it. Absolutely. And it leads to a second piece for us here And that is that we can believe God is at work. We can believe God is at work. When life takes a turn, we've got questions, right? And I'm just guessing that those believers in Acts chapter 8 had a lot of questions very similar to our questions. Lord, why is this going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are we being forced out of our homes? Why are we having to go to other places? Why does this have to happen for us? Why? Why? And then we read in the very next verse, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The circumstance looked like it was all bad and only bad. And the next thing that we see happening is that the gospel is proclaimed in places and in ways in more broad way or in more broadly and more quickly than it ever possibly could have gone forward if that persecution hadn't actually happened. Our problem comes when our life takes a turn and we decide that we need to understand and the circumstances need to make sense to us in order for it to possibly be good. But come on, let's face it, can we? 
We don't have the best track record of knowing what is best. We're the people who thought fanny packs were the best thing ever, right? We're the people who enjoyed boy bands and the Macarena. We haven't had the greatest track record of knowing what is best. So the same thing needs to be applied here. We need to acknowledge the fact that there might just be someone who has a greater perspective, a better perspective than what ours is. And there is. His name is God. But we don't need to understand. We think we do. We don't need to. In fact, if everything our infinite God is up to had to be reduced to something that our finite minds could understand, there would be a whole new complaint. And the new complaint is, why isn't God any bigger than God is? Why isn't God large enough that he could do something that I couldn't just figure out on my own? And it would be an understandable complaint, to be sure. We're not always going to understand because as Isaiah wrote, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that should give us peace. The fact that we don't understand everything should give us confidence that God is doing something, that even though we don't understand what it is all the time, it can be trusted because He can be trusted. James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, heard plenty of complaints on his own, about trials, about the difficulties, about the circumstances swirling around them in the first century. And here's his famous response. You've already heard it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever life takes a turn, he's saying. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whatever the circumstance is that you're dealing with, however out of step with it you believe, however out of step what you believe for your life would be best that that circumstance is. Believe that God is at work because He is. You say, I don't see it exactly, but just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not best or that it's not right or that He's not working in the midst of of it. Instead of letting it create some sort of crisis of faith, thank God for the fact that you're on a path to something that is bigger and greater than anything you could ask or imagine. And one final step when life takes a turn, and that's to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Luke told us in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that those who were scattered preached the word of God as they went. Well, he goes on in the very next verse to start to tell us a story of one particular circumstance. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For the shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Back in Acts chapter 6, a couple chapters earlier, we see Stephen, the guy who was killed, and, and Philip were a part of this group, this small group of people. No doubt they knew one another. No doubt they ministered together. They were on the same team. And no doubt Philip was one of those who was grieving greatly, who mourned deeply 
when Stephen's life was taken. It would have been very easy, probably tempting, as they drew around one another, as they mourned deeply together, to just want to stay in that huddle where they found the encouragement, where they found the strength from one another. And there is a strength that comes in being together. It would have been easy to just stay, but Philip doesn't do that. He keeps moving forward. And as a result, it says, he brings great joy to the city. And not just any city. This is a city in Samaria. The Samaritans are not people who felt kindly about the Jews. They certainly did not pay any attention to the Jewish God or to the Christian God. But here what we see is happening that they're responding to the gospel. And it's happening because Philip didn't just stay there and huddle up with others. He kept moving even in the midst of the circumstance, even in the midst of life taking a turn, he moved forward with what he knew was God's call on his life. When life takes a turn, there's a temptation to just sit down where you are while the process, while you're processing what is going on. And I understand that. And there's a moment to do that. But we need at the same time to have this sort of thing underneath us that is burning that recognizes there is a job that God has for me to do. Maybe part of what God has done, Steve mentioned this in his story, is that God has given us a means through which we can minister to people we pre previously couldn't. Could it be that some of the circumstances that you have dealt with, some of the ones that you're going through now, are things that God is placing in your path so that you might be able to go and bless and help and serve other people with the circumstances that they're going through? There's no doubt that that is the case. No doubt that that is the case. It'd be easy to get stuck. Now, there's nothing wrong with processing, but that doesn't mean that you can't keep moving forward. Do something. It's actually going to help you process. Read God's Word. Pray. Those are things that help you to get the perspective to make your way through it. Worship God. Give thanks to God. Be in church. Move forward. Do something. It's what we do when life takes a turn that becomes the defining factor of who you are and who you're going to be. It's what you do when life takes a turn because life is going to take a turn. Is it going to put you on the bench, spiritually speaking? Or is it going to accelerate you into what God has in store for you? The choice is yours based on whether or not we're going to keep moving when those circumstances come. When Steve was facing the intensity of his struggle, I'm talking about our Steve, not Stephen, because as bad as things were, as far as I know, they didn't, never tried to execute him or stone him. I, I don't think anyway, all right? So our Steve here, in the midst of the struggle, he kept moving forward. He kept his faith and drew near to God, and it invigorated his faith. Did you hear him say that through the struggle, actually he came to a place where his faith grew many times over? That's what can happen when we lean into God. It's where you can be too. We think that when life takes a turn, it's going to leave us in a valley and oftentimes when life takes a turn, it's actually the catalyst that is going to take us up to the next mountaintop. You need to believe that that can be true because otherwise we're going to sit and we're going to wallow and we're going to get stuck and we're not going to be the people that God has created us to be. So, what can you do? You can process with God's character in mind. You can believe God is at work and you can keep moving forward. And when you do that, when you come to life's turns, 
It's going to take you right around a corner to where you find God's blessing and joy and presence and purpose. And I pray that that is what each of us would find. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all of us come upon turns. Life is going to take a turn for all of us. Some of us have just rounded that corner and we don't like where we are. We don't like what we see. And we're wondering how to navigate our way forward. Lord, may we not get stuck. Yes, we need to process. We need to acknowledge who you are. We need to cry out. If our heart is a heart of lament, we need to lament. If it's a heart of joy, we need to shout joy. If it's a heart of challenge to understand, we need to ask for your clarity. Father, I just pray for those who are listening right now in different places. Even as I've looked out just in the room I'm in, the one room I'm in, looking at someone who's lost a wife two weeks ago and another who's lost a husband a week ago and contemplating the life of our dear missionaries that have been lost this week. Lord, there are turns that are happening all the time. But we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your goodness. We know of your love. We know of your care for our present and for our future. Lord, I thank you for Steve. I thank you for his story. I thank you for his being vulnerable to help us to see just firsthand how God works in the midst of circumstances we didn't want, we didn't ask for. In fact, perhaps we even prayed against. So, Lord, spare us from ourselves and do in us that which you desire that we would be the ones who would follow after you and might find your leading in the midst of whatever the circumstance is that comes our way. Lord, give us the heart of hope, the heart of trust, and the heart of faith that allows us to lean in when life takes a turn, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.